So if you're visiting with us today, just want to make mention of this. You are welcome to stop by our visitor's table. It's out in the lobby as you leave. Uh, there's just a free gift there for you. And if you don't like free gifts, on the inside of your bulletin, you can rip out the care card. You can fill that out and drop it into the basket on the way out, and that will give us a record of your attendance. And then that way we can contact you. If you wish for us to contact you, uh, we'll contact you and just kind of follow up, see how your visit went, and see if there's anything that our church can do uh, to serve you in the future. I want to make a few quick announcements about VBS. Uh, it is two weeks from today, believe it or not, uh, and we need some help in the rec department, so if you would be interested in helping out with the games, it's pretty simple. Have a good time with the kids in the rec department. Uh, see myself, or you can see Elaine Norton to do that. Uh, next week, uh, we set this church is pretty big, if you haven't noticed, so it takes a lot to get it decorated. Uh, so myself, my wife, and Amber Kiever and Keely Sigmund will be here uh, pretty much all next week during the day and the evening. And so if you would be interested in helping just set up things, even if we just say, hey, I need you to put this on this wall, will you do that for us? Um, you can talk to myself or my wife, and we'll get you uh, signed up maybe for a time to come by and try to help us out with decorating. Uh, our T-shirt should be in by next week. So next Sunday, volunteers, you can grab your T-shirt so you can wear them on the following Sunday for our first Sunday for VBS. And last but not least, please go ahead and sign up your students online. Uh, we are right at 75 students signed up online, and we'll have a bunch that sign up in person that day as well. But um, go ahead and get your students registered online for VBS. Uh, if you haven't noticed, today is the 4th. There's a lot of red, white, and blue going on. And so uh, I do want to make mention of the 4th. We hope that you guys uh, have a great 4th this afternoon. Um, but this freedom that we celebrate is a freedom as a nation. We have independence, and it's a freedom that it takes continual protection to have that freedom. And so I do want to ask anybody who has served in the past or is currently serving in the military to stand up for us so we can recognize you and uh, tell you thank you for your continual protection of that freedom that we celebrate. Thank you all uh, for your service. You can give them a clap. Thank you so much. Uh, there is a freedom that we're also here to celebrate this morning, uh, that it has an eternal freedom. Uh, and it's freedom from our sin. Jesus came to give us that freedom. And it's, a, it's, a, it's an eternal freedom. It doesn't require a protection once we have it. And so Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7 says, He is so rich in kindness and grace that he has purchased our freedom with the blood of his Son and forgave our sins. And that's what we're here to celebrate over the next hour is our freedom from sin that we can celebrate through the blood of Jesus. And so if you will, go ahead and stand up with us. We're going to continue to worship this morning. And uh, remember those two freedoms today as you celebrate.
Don't you love living in this country? Aren't we blessed? This morning as we go to the Lord in prayer, I want you to remember Shirley Lambert. She's at home. And uh, remember her. She's recovering at home. Also, I want you to remember Finding Hope Ministry. I'm trying to put together a group of men and ladies who would like to go after August the 16th. And we're going to be going there to help rebuild that home that burnt down. If you'd love to go, please see me as soon as possible. We want to be able to be in country mid-August and help them get the kids back to a place where they have a place to sleep and live. And uh, let's pray for them this morning. If you'd like to give to that, look in, our, this, in the bulletin this month. Every, every Sunday, you'll, you'll see how you'll be able to give to Finding Hope. Please help support them. They need your help. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we, we want to thank you for the freedoms we have in Christ. Lord, we're free today because of you. Lord, we're freed from sin because of your forgiveness and mercy and grace. And Father, we want to thank you for that, first and foremost this morning. Thank you for our families this morning that we're able to celebrate, Lord, the freedoms that we have here in our country. Thank you for the men and women who have fought for this freedom. Some have given the ultimate sacrifice. And Lord, we don't take that for granted. We thank you for it. We praise you for it. We adore you that we're able to be able to come here and worship you. I pray that you would be glorified. Father, I pray for Shirley as she's at home recovering. We continue to be with her and her family. Lord, I want to pray for Dr. Merrill and Anka and for the ministry there and Finding Hope in Romania. I pray you would, Lord, just bless them. Bless them as they're recovering and rebuilding the home. Help us to go help them. Lord, send a, put a team together that we might be able to go and rebuild that house for them and minister to them in Jesus' name. And Father, this morning, I want to thank you for my son this morning. We celebrate his birthday. Be with him as he's on the mission field. Father, be with him and his, the team there and use them for your glory and your honor. Father, we love you this morning. Thank you for loving us today. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated.
You are my strength and you always will be. I see the evidence of your goodness all over my life. All over my life. And I see your promises and fulfillment all over my life. All See the cross, the empty grave, the evidence is endless. All my sin rolled away because of you, oh Jesus. See the cross, the empty grave, the evidence is endless. All my sin rolled away because of you, oh Jesus. Oh, If you have your Bibles, turn to Psalm chapter 13 and stand with me. We're going to look at this, these six verses here about the life of David. If you've been coming on Sunday mornings, we've looked at uh, different aspects of the life of David. And this one is when David's on the run with Saul, and we've, we've studied that. And um, he literally is living life in the pits. And, and what, what, what the, is amazing to me about this psalm is, is that we're all going to be here at some point in our life. Some people, the, your life in the pits is going to be short stay. Some people's going to be a long stay. But understand what David says. He starts out, now notice what he says. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? Really bad. How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? How long will my enemy be exalted over me? And then this is where he gets really bold with God. He says, consider me. Oh, Lord, my God, enlighten my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. He says, I'm literally going to die if you don't do something. Lest my enemies say I have prevailed against him, lest those who trouble me rejoice when I am moved. Then in verse 5, everything changes. And it's kind of like the song Byron just said. He sees the evidence of God's blessing in his life, and he says, But I have trusted in your mercy. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt with me bountifully. 
says, I just see all the evidence in your life. And God, you're blessing me even while my life is in the pits. Let's pray together. Father, as we come to you in prayer, Lord, we want to thank you so much for your word. Father, for what you allowed David to live through. And Father, at, at this point in his life, he's really hurting bad. And Father, we can learn a lot from it. I want to thank you for the, for the uh, theology that's brought out in this. But Father, also, it's very practical that we can pray. And we can talk to you as our Father. We can be bold and courageous and come to you and you'll hear us. So Father, we want to thank you for that as well. And Lord, if there's anyone here today who's living in this situation, uh, they have my prayers. And Lord, I pray that you'd, you'd help them to, to see the evidence of your goodness in their life, even in the valleys. Lord, you're good. And we learn so much from these times. But Lord, it's easy to preach. It's easy to say. It's another thing to live through it. But Lord, I'm thankful you allowed David too. And I pray that you'd bless us again today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. When you read Psalm 13, this is not a psalm that David's writing because he's done something wrong. Now, Psalm 2, I mean, Psalm 3, 4, 5, Psalm 32, Psalm 51, all those are David's fault where he writes about, God, I did this. This is where David writes this psalm. And he's exhausted. He's depressed. In this psalm, he bears his soul. It's, it's during his flight from Saul, and what David is telling us is that physically, emotionally, and spiritually, I'm, I'm hurting. Physically, emotionally, and spiritually, I am hurting. In his mind, if you study how he wrote this, he didn't know if he could go on another day, much less an hour or a minute. And most of us have been here. It might be financial, it might be a sickness, it might be a wayward child, a cheating spouse, a terrible job. The situation looks hopeless, and this is David. John Phillips put it this way, man's extremity is God's opportunity to bless. When we are at wit's end without resources at a loss for a way perplexed and desperate is that's usually when we see God begin to work. Usually before he does anything about our situation, he'll want to do something about us. Notice the disciples when they're at the, the storm of the sea in Mark chapter 6 verse 48. Notice what it says, he saw the disciples straining at rowing. If you notice that word for straining, this is when Jesus sent them out in a boat. And then Jesus was watching them, and what that means is they're about to die. <laughs> Can't go on any longer. And I'll tell you this, if you can fix your situation, why does God need to jump in and fix it for you, right? Uh, if ibuprofen can fix your headache, you don't got to pray to God about your headache, right? They had no hope but Jesus coming. And Jesus comes walking on the water, and he calms the storm, and he brings relief to them. David is at this point in his life where he, David is saying this, literally, God, if you don't do something, I will probably die. And it's almost like he's screaming at God, you have to do something. You have to. I cannot go on another day. And listen, I want you to understand, if you're in that perspective, Mark Rutland said this. He says, from the mountaintops we view life, in the valleys we live through it. First thing I want you to understand, and David will tell you this, is that God has not forgotten you nor forsaken you. Notice, notice verse 1 on the screen. Notice what David says. How long will you forget me forever? Look at the word forget. In the Hebrew it means to misplace and one scholar put, David felt like God had laid him down and misplaced him. Lord, you've misplaced me like a set of keys or a pair of shoes or my watch. God, do I mean, do, God, do I mean nothing more to you than an old glove you put away and forget forever? Look at the word forever. This is, this is what David's thinking. It's the idea of it continually happening. David's saying, do you intend to ignore me and my problem permanently? Lord, I don't have forever. I won't, I won't live that long. I can't survive. How long? And I would tell you this, God does not play hide and seek with us. God does not. God does not forsake us. Notice, notice that about your face. He says, will you hide your face from me? And in, in 
North or Near Eastern culture in David's day, hiding your face was a profound concept. To not look someone in the eyes was to disrespect them, to disregard them, and to shame them. As a matter of fact, uh, Moses said this, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. And David's saying, you're not doing that now. You're not doing that, not today. You're not looking at me. You're disrespecting me. You're shaming me. It's almost like you've forgotten who I am. John Philip says, when God faces us and shines his face on us, he blesses us, keeps us, and is gracious to us. When it feels like God is hiding his face from us, when we feel abandoned, rejected, and shamed, we see it in our culture, in our lives. We have relatives and a family who refuse to talk to each other. So at, at a wedding, one person will sit on this side, another person will sit on that side because they don't want to make contact. Right? David says, I feel that way today, Lord. Why, are you, why, why, why will you not look at me? Why have you misplaced me? Why have you forgotten me? And then he says the word forever. Are you going to do something about it? And I want you to understand, if your life right now is in the pits, it may or may not be, God has not forsaken you. God is not hiding his face from you. God is not disrespected or shamed by you. Okay? He has not. Jesus said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And we share this a lot, you know, uh, when Jesus says he won't leave us, and I always make the analogy to a marriage, you know, you can be in a marriage for 40 years and not love each other. You can be in a marriage for 40 years, live in the same house every day and forsake each other. You can. You, you can get selfish and emotionally, spiritually, and sexually abuse your partner by being selfish. Forsake their needs. Jesus said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And what, and what he's telling David here is this. You don't think that I'm doing something, but I'm, I'm even doing something in your life right now. The second thing we need to understand when our life is living in the pits is God knows what time it is. He knows what time it is. Notice the verse on the screen. How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? How long will my enemy be exalted over me? God, do you realize how long this has been going on? Do you realize, isn't it amazing how, how fast time flies when you're having a good time on vacation? Longest vacation I've ever taken, and it seemed like it was only three days long. And, and, it, and we all remember how it is when our kids were, on a, were going on a trip, and they'd ask you every 15 minutes, are we there yet, are we there yet? That's what David's doing in his heart. And I would tell you this, God is never in a hurry in your life. Never. God's timing and our time is just totally different. And that's what David's saying is, how long is this going to continue on and on and on? Are we there yet, Lord? Are we there yet? And some of you may be like that here, but God wants you to understand, God is never in a hurry. Notice what he says, take counsel in my soul. Having sorrow in my heart daily, every day. I heard a pastor say one time that uh, he said he, he, he was not a depressed type person, but he said he woke up one morning and it's just like he's in a dark cloud. And he said, I thought, well, the next day it'll be better. The next day it'll be better. And he said for six to nine months, he lived in that deep, dark depression. He didn't know what to do. He said, I prayed. I went to, I went to counseling. I did all these things. And he said, I didn't know what to do. And he said, I, I kept asking myself, will this ever end? Will this ever end? When he went back to his church, he had to take about six to nine months off. He spoke about his depression for five minutes, right? It's the number one selling tape in the history of that church. And he says, I... I didn't, I didn't think I was ever going to get out of it. He said, that's how bad. And he says, I know how some of y'all feel. That's what he said. This is where David is. Look, how long shall I take counsel of my soul? I ain't got nobody to talk to but me, I guess. Look, I, my heart hurts. Have you ever hurt in your soul? 
Have you ever spiritually, he's talking spiritually and emotionally hurting in his soul. Then he says, then he looks at his circumstances. Is this, are these people going to be exalted over me forever? I mean, I just don't know what I'm going to do. David is like many of us in a waiting room. You just don't know what the, what the end is going to be. Jesus was like right here where David was when he was in the garden. He prayed and he would walk and then he'd pray. And then he'd walk and then, then he prayed and prayed and prayed over and over and over again. And then nothing changed. The book of Philippians says, My God shall supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory. In Christ Jesus, to our God and Father, be glory forever and ever and ever. Amen. Amen. John, John MacArthur said, It's not under the sharpest but the longest trials that we are most in danger of fainting. When Job was accosted with evil things in quick succession, he bore it with becoming fortitude. But when he could see no end in troubles, his heart sank under them and he almost lost his faith. Charles Stanley says this about God's timing. In order to grow as believers, you and I must learn to wait on the Lord. When we surrender to his timing, he does mighty things in and for us according to his will and his timing. God acts on behalf of those who wait for him. In other words, we must allow his timing, not our own agenda, to guide our lives. That way we can experience his very best, Dr. Charles Stanley. Waiting is the hardest Thing. God's timing, we don't understand it and we never will. So here, David would tell us, even in his darkest days, God has not forsaken him. And we, we got to trust God's timing. When you're, when you're living life and going through these seasons, you got to trust God's timing. And then understand the third thing here is God loves chutzpah. Notice that Jewish word. Notice verse 3 and 4 on the screen. That word chutzpah means this. It's a Jewish word. It means courage bordering on arrogance or desperation. Being bold. David showed that when he faced Goliath. The prophet Nathan, they said he had great hoops, but because he went to David in 2 Samuel 12, and he shared the story about, about a man, literally what it came down to was David cheating on, on, on uh, his wife and then Uriah, the Hittite being killed. And Nathan said, you're the man, David. You did this. You're a sinner. You're a murderer. You're an adulterer. You're the man. And God's enemies will boast about this for the rest of your life. That's exactly what Nathan said. Now, imagine going before the king. That's courage, boldness, an act of desperation. He said, somebody's got to help David. And that's why David could, he even confessed. He said, I, I couldn't even speak to the Lord for a year over my sin. That's, that's what David is doing here. Notice what he says. Look, consider, hear me, enlighten my eyes. It's almost like David's screaming. MacArthur says, David starts by begging for God to look on him and answer. He's asking for more than God's comforting presence. Yes, we all need God's comfort, but David is now asking for God's active presence. Look on me, answer. Look on me and do something. Isaiah says this about the Lord. Look down from heaven and see from your lofty throne, holy and glorious. Where are your zeal and your might? Your tenderness and compassion are withheld from us. And Isaiah looks up and has chose who's put to God and says, God, will you do something? I know you're seated on your throne, but show us your zeal and your might. Show us your tenderness and your compassion. Do not withhold your sovereign shepherding from us. And David says, first thing, enlighten my eyes. Help me to see what, why, where. Why is this going on? Lord, I just want to see. I just want to understand this. And then he says this, basically. He says, give me direction. I need guidance. I need that in my life. And then he goes on to say, if you'll notice in another verse, he says, I'm going to sleep the sleep of death. If you don't do something, I will die. They're going to kill me. This 
my emotions are going to kill me. Spiritually, I feel dead. God, I'm going to sleep the sleep of death if you don't do something. But I'm reminded of what Paul told the church at Philippi. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I remember, uh, I remember when uh, Pam, Pam Mead was in the hospital. And I remember going, one sun, or not one Sunday, it was through the week. And I didn't call her, right? So I just go driving to Duke and just go into her room. And she said, stop. Get out. <laughs> get out. She says, my hair's not made. I don't have any lips. It's true. She says, you go over there to Duke University and do something for two hours and you come back. You know what I did? I did exactly that. And then when I came back, I was talking to her because she was in Duke so long. One of the best people I've ever met in my life is Pam Mead. And I said, Pam, how are you doing? And she just said this. And I'll tell you how I'm doing. She said, do not be anxious for anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And he says, you know what? He's given me a peace that passes all understanding through this. Courage and boldness in the face of hard times. And then the final thing is this. God, David would say this. God deserves your trust and your praise. Notice how he starts. Notice the verse. Notice how he starts. But I. But I. Even through all this, but I have trusted in your mercy. But I. I like how John Philip says, he says, David starts with two vital words, but I, David knows that God does not promise that life will be easy. David is asked and begged at, that, at the moment. At that moment, he prays. Nothing has changed in his circumstances. And then he says this, but I, regardless of what happens, I'll continue to trust the Lord. Listen, regardless of what happens, I'll continue to trust the Lord. What if you pray bold prayers and God don't answer them? What if it seems like God's silent to you? You know what David says? But I'm going to trust him anyway. I'm going to trust in your mercy, which means God's going to have compassion on me in my situation at some point. You may be in a but-eye situation, right? Where you're going to pray and pray and pray and pray and nothing is changing. Your emotions aren't changing. Spiritually, it's getting worse for you and nothing changes. Do like David and say, but I'm going to trust in you regardless. I'm going to trust in you. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. And what David is saying is God, you've been good to me. Even during this dark, dark valley that I'm in, God, I'm still going to trust you. I still, he says, I'm going to do two things. I'm going to trust in verse five, and then notice what he says in verse six. He says, I'm going to sing. Singing in a pit. I mean, it's one thing to sing in a shower, sing in your car, but when you're singing in the pit, that's big time right there. Some of, some of the, the, the greatest praise I've ever seen is by people in this church who are in the pit. That's real, that's real worship. I mean, I've, been, I've stood beside gravesides with people that would give God, give God praise for being so good. I've been with people in hospital rooms where people would sing to the Lord. And you know their situation's not going to get any better. It starts out with trusting and then you sing. And David says, I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. I remember hearing about a news anchor. His name was Dave Benton. He went on to be with the Lord now. He was very popular in in the state that he was in. I can't remember which one it was, but I remember hearing the story because he was a a young, seemingly healthy guy. And then he came on the news and it was all over social media back then. He says, I found out a few weeks ago my brain cancer is back, but I've learned more about what the future holds. This new tumor is too big for surgery or radiation. Doctors say I have anywhere from four to six months to live before things turn bad. 
I'm a born-again Christian, and I feel I'm God's hands. I'm at peace. I know that he's going to take care of me in the days ahead. Trust, but I, that's his moment, but I, but I will trust, but I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. There's the evidence he's talking about, that Brian was singing about. When I look back over my life, God, you've just been good to me. And even though I'm in a pit, God, you still look good and do good things in my life. Take, that's why the psalmist would always say, count your blessings. Count them. Number them up and count them. It'll help you through those hard times. I like what Habakkuk says at the end of, at the end of his book. It says, though the fig trees do not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crops fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I'll be joyful in, in God my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. When you're in a pit, look back over your life and thank God for all his blessings in your life. I remember going to see Ruth Perdue at uh, Valley when she was alive. Sweet lady, right? And I just loved talking to her. And uh, we'd always meet in the cafeteria. And I'd go in there and I'd pull up a chair and I'd say, Ruth, how, how's it going? Well, this coffee's not good. And I said, it don't look good, Ruth. It's not, it's not good. These eggs aren't good. She said, do you want to buy it? And I said, I don't want to buy it, Ruth. These eggs aren't good. She said, my arthritis, it's getting worse. It's getting worse. I said, your arthritis is getting worse? She said, yeah. She said, oh, would you take me home? I said, you know, I can't do that, Ruth. You know? She said, they never salt this food enough, ever. Never, they just don't salt this food, food enough. She said, she said I, think, I think even this coffee, I remember writing this down, I think they put chocolate in it. I said, you think they put chocolate in it? And, and then I remember her saying, feel my hands right here. And I remember I'd grab them. She's such a sweetheart. She gave my kids baby dolls when I was growing up. And I said, well, Ruth, anything else you want to tell me? And she said this, I think I'm the most blessed person in this place. She said, God's been so good to me. And she'd just sit there and brag on the Lord about his goodness in the pit, in the pit, in valley. Here she was thanking God. And I learned a, a good lesson that day. I said, on your darkest days, God's been good to you, has he not? Friends, you need to say this in your but I moment. God, I will trust in you and I will sing to you. And I'm going to ask your musicians to come. And I want y'all just to bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment. Just bow your heads, and I don't know where you're at in your life. Maybe you're in a dark place. I don't know. But I want to remind you that God has not forgotten you first, and number two, God has not forsaken you. He can't. Number two, you can trust the Lord. Trust in Him now in your situation. And then you can cry out to God and be bold. In the quietness of this moment, just cry out to the Lord. Ask Him to enlighten your eyes. Lord, I don't understand. I can't see the end of this thing. Ask Him to strengthen your faith. Be honest with Him. God, I don't feel you. I don't sense you. But Lord, I'm going to trust in you. Then look back over your lives and just be reminded of how God, how good God has been to you. 
Father, as we come to you in prayer, Lord, we want to thank you so much for these, Father, six verses have taught me so much in my life. Lord, I'm thankful that you will not forget us. You don't hide your face from us. That, Lord, you love us. That, Lord, even in our darkness, dark days, Lord, you're still taking good care of us. And we thank you for that. Lord, I pray that we'd have a multitude of people in this auditorium today and those online who will say, God, I will trust in you. But I, I will trust in your mercy. Lord, today, even though I don't see the end in in sight, Lord, I'm going to trust in you today. And then, Lord, as I look back over my life, I will sing of your greatness. And thank you for being so good to us. Father, even in the valleys, you're good. We're so thankful for your grace and for your mercy and the help that only you can give. And, Lord, I pray for these, our congregation today. Lord, you know where we are. And, Lord, I pray that you would help. I pray that you'd pull some people out of the pit this morning, Lord, and help them. And, Lord, shine your face on them and be good to them. To them. And, Father, we'll thank you and praise you for the things you alone can do. In Jesus' name I pray and all the God's people said together. Amen. Well, would you stand with us? And Sharon's going to lead us in a couple verses of a song, and then you'll be dismissed. Thank you. very much.